You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Big Possible Show. This is your host, Noah Scott, signing on with Mike Bursick. So Mike is someone I've been really excited to bring on the show, uh, primarily because we share a common background. He is a community builder, a facilitator, and a serial entrepreneur by nature. Mike is passionate about helping people live more connected lives. Via his events in the most remote and spectacular places on earth with Wayfinders, Mike helps entrepreneurs create deep connections with other entrepreneurs and the support they need to live a full, meaningful life. As you remember, if you've been listening to the show for a while, The Big Possible, I was doing retreats for entrepreneurs, um, but not as cool as the ones that Mike is doing. So Mike, I'm really excited to hear about not just your journey, but also how you help people um, tap into this big mission that you've got. So it's pretty epic. And I think you are a perfect fit for a guest to be on the show. So how are you? I'm great. I'm, I'm super stoked to be here and connect with you for sure. Yeah. Fantastic. So I, I think that the question on everyone's mind uh, is definitely going to be how on earth did you start doing this incredible business where you're you're going out into remote locations and you're helping people have breakthroughs? Yeah, it's it's um it's funny. It's I guess uh, I don't know. In some ways, a typical journey. In some ways, atypical. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. My my previous company, I actually ran. Um, it wasn't a huge stretch from what I'm doing now. I was I was running high end mountain bike trips all over the world with the with my previous company and going back to. I don't know, let's say 2015, I was I was rapidly scaling the company and I was bringing on investor money and building up the team and we were scaling all over the world. And I was just encountering all these problems that were new to me because I'd never scaled the company that rapidly. And uh, so I decided I would get over my own hubris and get my head out of my own ass and, you know, be a little bit humble and and learn from other people who had been there. So I started attending all these entrepreneur events, joining entrepreneur communities like EO, got a lot of value from them. But um, one of the things I felt was missing from these events I went to was just like a focus on connection. And they tended to be have more of a focus on information, like there'd be, you know, some amazing speakers. But when somebody's talking from stage, I can't really connect with the people around me. And then if I'm in a workshop, you know, same same kind of thing. And it was I had to like really work these events to try and nurture these connections. And so I wanted to create something that started with connection first. So it wasn't it wasn't meant to be a business. It was just like I want to put something together for some of my entrepreneur friends. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe you started doing the same same kind of thing. But um, I knew from my previous business that when you take people outside and you're doing fun, challenging things together, that people tend to bond pretty quickly. And so I wanted that to be the focus and also, you know, beautiful locations to hang out. And so I ran an event in the uh, British Columbia Rockies of Canada at this cat skiing lodge uh, in the summer. And we were hiking and mountain biking and, you know, doing various stuff. Anyway, long story short, we, and we still had a little bit of content in there, but the focus was just connections and and people just loved it and they wanted me to do more of it. And so I started going farther and farther afield and, you know, then started running events like in Greenland. And I just got back from Uganda and, you know, doing an event in the jungle and then deep in the Amazon and all these crazy places. And, um, and I just found that the farther away I took people from their typical context, the the bigger the breakthroughs people had because it was just they're kind of forced to like not not do their regular routine 
and they're forced and I force them to spend time, you know, on their own to spend time in deep dialogue with other people about big questions. And um, so it's been an amazing journey. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't one I intentionally set out on, but um, it was a little bit of scratching my own itch and is also recognizing a need out there. People just wanted something where the focus was on connection. Yeah, it's fascinating. We could probably spend the entire episode talking about how deep connections are built through, you know, common adventure and getting out of your comfort zone and all that. But, you know, I think we'll work our way up to that. Um, I'd, I'd like what just out of curiosity, what have you found is like the 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 timeline for people to actually like let go of the grind? Like how many days off the grid and in the wild do we need before that shift happens? Yeah, great question. It, it obviously varies from person to person. Um, I, one of the things I do with my events, like usually we'll, usually like we'll gather somewhere, uh, you know, the, the arrival city or whatever before the event actually starts. And so in Uganda, we were gathering in Entebbe, which is just outside of the capital of Kampala. And some people, you know, showed up two days early, some people one day early, three days early. And that's kind of just like, you know, milling around, hanging out, nothing official. And then we flew to Western Uganda. And one of the things I do at the beginning of my event is I have an opening ceremony and, um, and usually we do that around a fire because fire has been a medium of, of storytelling and gathering for hundreds of thousands of years. And I try to infuse a little bit of um, emotional weight to it. And um, I won't go too deep into the details of that, but that's kind of like, you know, that for me is like marking we are here and this is a different reality that we're stepping into. And often that's an invitation. You know, I extend that as an invitation to people like, hey, if you want to step out of your, your typical reality, and um, and walk through the portal and join us on this journey. This is your starting point here. And what I've what I've found, and of course I've you know I've gotten better at this, is that if you extend that invitation to people, you make it somewhat explicit. Then people are just so hungry to step out of that day to day, which is often like stressful. It is you know repetitive or whatever. They want to step into something different, and they want to step into something meaningful and somewhere where connection is the you know beginning point. And um, it's you know one of my one of my main goals is to get people to go deep fast and create a, a safe environment for them to to be vulnerable and the best way that I've found for that is through storytelling and so I have you know different invitations for stories that I that I pull people into and it's amazing when you you know when you ask people to tell a story about a moment that shaped them um, or defined them you know something as simple as that the depth to which they'll go like right away and when people are you know are, when people are bearing their souls through that invitation, it's an immediate point of connection because, you know, there's only so many human stories, right? And if you're sharing a story about a big loss in your life, that's going to resonate because you've lost something, you know, people or whatever in, in your life. And that's like that instant point of connection. And then it's like, people are like, wow, okay, we're going there. Okay. I, I guess I feel comfortable doing that. And, um, and that, you know, that can often happen right on day one. Um, mm -hmm. sometimes some people, it takes them a, a little longer, but part of the, you know, part of the reason I do it in these remote places is because the, the level of commitment people have to go through just to get there. Sometimes it's like, you know, like when I did an event in Bhutan, it was probably 30 hours by the time people got there. Right. And so you've got this process of like, holy fuck, where am I going? And like, this is so far away. And it's like getting farther and farther away from reality. And uh, so it can happen really, really fast if you set the right stage. Yeah. And what a, what a, what a amazing time to be able to do that with the travel and all that. I mean, imagine trying to do this 50 years ago, it would have just been 
impossible. So yeah, yeah. it's beautiful that we're, we're going there by stagecoach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, speaking of storytelling, I, I'd love to get into one of your stories, um, particularly about a time that you may have taken um, the the one of the biggest risks of your life. And this could be a business goal that you started that, you know, maybe you were investing in something that you didn't know if it was going to pay off. The The future wasn't clear. Um, what was going through your head at the time and how did this story unfold? So, yeah, I'll tell you a story. It's not necessarily um, it's not necessarily the the rainbow kind of the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow kind of ending. But um, with my previous company, going back to about 2013, the, the, the company had been growing pretty steadily for you know, many years. I was I was kind of impatient with that that growth. So that was the first time that was the first time I raised money from investors. It was uh, primarily friends and family, and and most of those you know quote unquote friends were a lot of our customers who really believed in what we were doing. They they did a, the bulk of the investing, and uh, I did it again in 2014, and then again in 2016. So I raised a, a fair bit of money, and really built out the team. Our goal, the goal that I had set back then, was that I wanted to be in 150 countries by 2021, and at the time I think we were in like a dozen. So it was a pretty pretty ambitious goal. And um, it was a bit of like, oh my God, like I'm I'm using a lot of other people's money. And I know a lot of these people pretty well. Some of them are good friends. And uh, there was a lot of, what the hell am I doing here along the way? In 2016, we launched this new, this new platform, I guess you could call it. It's kind of like a separate business within the company. It's a little bit of like an Airbnb for mountain bike guides around the world. And very rapidly in this, in the course of about six months, um, we expanded to about 45 countries. And so we were very, very quickly on our way, on our way to hitting that target. And um, along the way, and this is where, you know, the, the rainbow isn't quite so rainbowy, but as with a lot of companies experiencing really rapid growth, things get very chaotic and they get very, and they can get very stressful. And at the same time, I had, I had young kids. It, it got, Within a year, I got to the point where it was becoming very unmanageable because I still had the the rest of the company to run and staff to manage and all that kind of stuff. But I was essentially launching a startup and trying to basically bootstrap. And in hindsight, I probably would have tried to raise three times as much money. And I remember along the way, people telling me, like, probably going to be a lot easier for you to raise $10 million than it is a million dollars. I was like, I don't, I don't want $10 million. I don't know what to do with $10 million. It's just a million bucks I can make this happen. And... um and anyway, long story short, it ended up getting very chaotic and stressful. I had three young kids, and I remember, and I remember one day just waking up, saying, "What, what the hell am I doing? Like, wh- where did this goal come from? Um, and why is that meaningful to me?" And as I started, you know, I, I had a meditation practice, and I still do, and in journaling, and I started trying to pick apart all this. And what I discovered was, at the heart of it, was just like this need for val- need for validation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that validation was like my little inner child, you know, saying, you know, validate me, give me my self-worth. And I realized that like, we, we would probably hit that 150 country goal within a couple of years, maybe hit it early. And I would wake up and I would, you know, have a glass of bubbly with the team and then it'd be like, okay, now what? Um, and that, that validation that I was looking for was not going to come from that. And it had to come from within. And that was at the beginning of a lot of soul searching for me. And I guess the, the, you know the the happy part of the rainbow part of the story is um is that it led me to some very difficult places but that was the the beginning of you know a lot of soul searching i ended up i ended up selling the company uh in 2019 
before we had hit our goal, because I kind of walked away from the goal and said, this is crazy. I got to get off this, um, this hamster wheel. But I, I learned so many things along the way. And probably one of the biggest lessons I learned was to be really careful about my goals mm. and, and spend time really picking apart why, why those goals are meaningful for me. And so I've kind of gotten away from, like I used to be very, like most entrepreneurs, very goal-driven and had this big list of goals. And I realized like checking off these goals was not ultimately that satisfying and, and maybe needed fewer goals, but they needed to be more meaningful. And so that's kind of become my process now is like really front-loading the soul-searching part of like, you know, what am I, what am I chasing and why am I chasing it? And who is this good for? And, and that's been the ultimate benefit, you know, far, far better than any, you know, physical goal or, or tangible goal I could have gotten out of that process, which, which directly informs how I run my current company. Absolutely. And it, it's so powerful to have that clarity. Sometimes the, the thing that we're thinking is, is the reality that we really want might not be that reality, but you never really know unless you actually go and you actually take the risk. And I love how you brought a story that, that ultimately ended with the value being something different than what your original intention was, because life is never as black and white as we make it out to be. And, you know, again, but that clarity and that realization is probably, you know, worth more in its weight than had you actually achieved the thing. Cause now you're telling the story with much more, um, I think there's much more peace and acceptance in it. So I'd like to, well, yeah. yeah, And yeah, go ahead. I'd like to hear the process now for how you set goals um, and also perhaps how you see goals being set for the people that come to your events. Yeah, good question. Um, A lot of it really comes down to alignment and understanding who I am and what's valuable to me. And and then ask myself, do the goals, are, are the goals that I'm setting aligned with who I am, right? And often... You know, often I will, I will, I will, as a starting point, I'll, I'll do the five whys exercise. You know, why am I chasing this goal? And whatever answer comes up from that, why is, you know, why is that important? And sometimes you don't need to go five layers deep. You know, maybe you only go three layers deep. But if you go a little bit deeper than the initial answer, and, um, you know, if I, if I, if I use the, the previous example as an example, like, why do you need to be in 150 countries? Um, you know, the, my surface level would have been, just that's what entrepreneurs do. You scale, you scale your business. And if I and and if I'd asked myself, well, why why is that important? You know, I might have come come up with an answer that told me that's not actually true. You don't have to scale a business as an entrepreneur. That's not not the only way to run run a business. And um, and so now I, I try to do that. You know, whenever I'm setting a goal, try to try to make sure it's aligned with who I am. Does it align with my values? Does it align with who I want to be? The other big part of it is, is one that I think a lot of entrepreneurs miss is what does this look like on a daily basis? And how does what does my day look like if I'm if I'm doing if I'm chasing this goal and if I'm achieving this goal? Because you know, ultimately I want to focus on what is happening in the present moment. Um, if you know, if I'm chasing this goal, if I've achieved this goal, what does my day look like? And I know for me, the most valuable thing I can do both for my own personal joy and, and that drives the most value to my business is to spend time uh, with people, connecting with people, whether it's over a coffee, over a lunch, over a call. So I spend probably half of my time, my, my work time is spent um, connecting with other people. And that is deeply rewarding to me. And I feel super blessed to be able to 
live, you know, whether that's happening here in Toronto, whether it's happening in Uganda or in Greenland or whatever, um, it's, I've, I've engineered this business to be able to spend time both where it drives a lot of joy and is my zone of genius. I love connecting people. I love connecting with people. And so, you know, asking yourself, why is this goal meaningful? And what does this look like day to day, right? Because the day to day of chasing that 150 country goal was raising a lot of money, dealing with investor questions, filing shareholder reports, all that kind of stuff, dealing with a lot of staff, a lot of staff complaints, you know, all that kind of stuff that goes with a growing business. And if I'd actually thought about that and talked to other people, um, I might have stepped back and be like, hmm, I don't like what that day looks like. You know, I actually like spending time on my mountain bike. So what is, how do I engineer that? So there you go. This this is so powerful. And the fact that, you know, you are able to actually stop and have that reflection in terms of what is the lifestyle? What is my zone of genius? And that's, the, I think, the step that a lot of people fall short on. They don't give themselves the permission to actually think about what is the thing that if I were to be able to spend my time, um, because we only have one life. And if you if you really think about how we spend our time on a day-to-day basis, we can avoid going down a path that is going to leave us with regret and uh, filled with dread every single time we wake up. But if you can actually engineer it, like you said, to say, okay, this is how I want to spend my day to day. These are the things that I actually really want to do. Um, then if I just do more of these, I'm obviously going to be happier and the yeah. goals that I'm going to set are going to fulfill me. So, I mean, that's really powerful. And I, I, one of the questions I, I, I want to ask is obviously engineering something like that, um, First step is obviously giving yourself yourself space to to ask that permission. Now comes the hard part, I think, and this is something that I I I, I want to sort of ask a lot of the guests on my show is how do we make that a reality, right? And how do we deal with the the progress from connecting the dots from where we are to this vision that we're engineering? Because that process of building the dream lifestyle or that the the, the way that we're going to spend the day to day. It's going to require some sacrifice. It's going to require some, you know, uh, letting go of some things that aren't right for us. What uh, what advice do you have for people that, you know, maybe they find that clarity when they're at one of your experiences, but then they still have to go back to reality? How do you mm-hmm. keep them from falling off the deep end in that process? Well, the first part, of, as we just discussed, is getting that clarity, right? Spend it, and that means spending probably way more time than you think because we're prone to just latching onto a goal and then just chasing it. And that goal may or may not be ours. It may be just like some other voice. It may be like your your father talking to you or some teacher talking to you or, or whatever, something you read in Entrepreneur Magazine. And, you know, as the saying goes, if you're going to climb the ladder of success, make sure you're leaning on the, the right damn building, right? And so really spending way more time to like really get clear on like, this is what I want. And I truly want this. Because if you get clear on that and you truly want it, a, you'll you'll work way harder for it, and B, that work won't feel so quite so worky because you're doing something like that really resonates with you down here, right? Um, that that that's part one of it, and then then I guess there's two things I would say to follow that up. One is, um, and I've worked with and coached a lot of people who who are chasing you know big meaningful goals, and usually what happens the more meaningful it is, the more that voice of doubt creeps in. Because there's a lot more at stake here, right? You're you're not just chasing some meaningless thing. You're chasing something that's like laden with meaning, and that's when the inner critic takes over. And it's and it's, you know, it's not something direct as like 
who are you to be chasing this this big goal? It's usually like it's something more intellectual, like, oh, that's stupid, that'll never work, or no, you know, people don't like this or whatever. And so moment, momentum is key. And you know, to give you an example, a couple of years ago, um, I wrote a book and I decided at the end of that process that it wasn't the book that I wanted to put my heart and soul into because I know it's it's a ton of work to to market and and public publish a book. But I wrote the book and I'm very happy about that. And I just said I'm going to write 20 minutes a day, no more, no less. I'm just going to write 20 minutes a day every day, and that was incredibly motivating and sustaining because I just did it every day and it was it wasn't you know some days I would only write 100 words, but I was I was writing, and so you know little chunks of meaningful progress. Uh, I'm a big fan of just every day, even even on the weekends. Just like even if you can only put in ten minutes, that's that's deeply motivating to keep you going. And then going back to the connection piece, it's like having some having some people to walk that journey with you, mm-hmm. you know, is is so is so powerful. And so I'm a big believer in accountability and support. And so like we we create containers during our events, after our events, for people to get connected with others, so that when you're you know when you're feeling unmotivated, you fall off the wagon. There's people to say like, hey. You know, if that happens, let's get back on the horse. Um, the other, I guess, you know, just as a general business principle, the one, the number one thing that has worked best for me over the years, particularly with Wayfinders, my current business, is to always put the focus on customer value. And so my focus is 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 not on making money. It's always on like, how do I, how do I provide value to my customers? How do I enrich their lives? And the more I put the focus squarely on that, the better my business does as a result without me having to, you know, set set KPIs and goals and all this kind of stuff. My KPI is just how satisfied and how much value are my, am I driving for my customers? And then all the good stuff comes comes from that, you know, my own personal benefit. But I first and foremost want to provide value to them. Incredible. Well, this has been an absolutely uh, just eye-opening and and heart-opening interview. So really thank you for sharing um your stories and 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 ha- your adventures. How do our listeners stay in touch with you and if there's, you know, one last statement you want to you want to leave us with, um, you know, I'll, I'll I'll let you close this bring us home. Uh I'll start with that statement. Um, you know, I've spent the last 5 years like really researching and experimenting and diving into human connection. And both, you know, for my own life, living a more connected life, but also doing that for my clients, the people uh, I'm involved with. Human connection is one of those things we kind of tend to think about it accidentally, like our friend group or whatever, and we hope people call us or whatever. Um, There's huge value from just being really intentional about this and, you know, being intentional about who are the people I want to spend time with, which which relationships do I want to develop and nurture? I have a spreadsheet, all the, all the you know, in Airtable, all the people that I want to stay connected with. And I make sure that I'm reaching out to them, you know, connecting on a call, lunch, whatever, um, and very intentional about that process. And that has provided me with, you know, huge value just personally, professionally, you name it. And so I just urge people to be more intentional about, about the connections in their lives. And as far as, um, you know, reaching me, the best, best place is the website, Uh, way-finders.com w-a-y-finders.com that's it for this episode of the big possible show this is noah scott signing out to let you know i appreciate you for being here of course if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback visit apple and drop a review that review will help other people find the show and it also gives me a signal that hey people are out there listening with that may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures and i'll see you right here for the next episode.